Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. We're laughing. I'm so sorry. Um, It's Sunday night. It's uh, October 17th. Uh, The Chicago Sky, the WNBA team here in Chicago, did clinch the WNBA finals. They won the championship this weekend. I was there. I was there Friday. I was at the Red Stars game yesterday. I was at the game today. My voice is gone. Um, so I guess here's some proof that I am not only someone who does this podcast, I am a sports fan. My voice is gone, but I am here to talk about NWSL. And we have some uh, important results this weekend from the midweek into this weekend. We have a shield winner. We have a couple of teams that were eliminated from playoff contention. So we're just going to talk teams. I think we're probably not going to get too deep into game by game because there were a lot of games this week. But just talking about how this is finally shaping up with most teams with one game left. So I am here with Equalizer contributor John Halloran. How's it going, John? I'm doing well. It was a good uh, a good weekend of games. I'm excited that uh, yeah. we're getting to the point where everything matters. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, it's rare that you get this far with so little um, – such little clarity, I guess, is the way Mm -hmm. to put it in terms of the results. And I do think when you have a season where some teams surge and they fade or some teams are very steady, but they're never effervescent or or things like that, ultimately, you just kind of have to see how things shake out. And that's how you can determine your larger scope, your opinion of a team season. Um, But let's start at the top. Let's do it. So the Portland Thorns, only I think about an hour ago from when we were recording, they clinched the 2021 NWSL Shield. And I'll at least say here, I'm so sorry, guys, my voice is so gone. I, I really have to apologize. But um, I really like the NWSL Shield. I, I love the NWSL playoffs, but I like to place a lot of significance on that uh, trophy because it is so hard to do and because it is a nod to some of the more traditional ways the sport is played. I think winning a season being at the top of the table is a very difficult thing to do. And we maybe always thought it was going to be Portland, Mm -hmm. but there were some moments again, you think about um, the midweek game against the rain that could have gone a number of different ways or a number of games in the past. And just thinking it feels like this is the most consistently excellent team, but they could have lost this kind of at the end, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think the the easy take would be to say, hey, this is what we said was going to happen at the beginning of the season. But I think to Portland's credit, what a lot of us probably didn't see was how good they were going to be in that middle stretch of the season during the Olympic period and how diverse the contributions have been to their squad because they really pulled from a lot of people. They went way deep on their yep. roster this year. And um, it, it's got to be one of those things where pretty much every person in that locker room can think to themselves that they had something to do with that. And, yeah. and more so than just kind of in a pat on the back way, like in a real tangible way, um, pretty much everybody made a substantive contribution to, to this accomplishment. I would even say, in my opinion, in the la- in the stretch of of maybe the games since games resumed after the weekend off, 
the thing I've, I have been struck by, by Portland, and this is not new. Um, this is a strength that they have had um, in, in a number of seasons, but it's not like the Portland thorns are blowing anybody out right now. They're, they're doing a lot of shooting. They shoot the ball quite a lot. They're even getting a lot of shots on goal for whatever reason. Those are not necessarily going in, but their defense has been, I, I believe immense over the last two months or so. And I even thought you think about that very um, important game against the rain in the midweek and the rain did end up tying that one-to-one on a questionable officiating decision. Ultimately, it kind of comes out in the wash, right? Because Portland did ultimately win the shield. But what I thought, <clears throat> assuming that game without that officiating decision would have ended one to nothing in the favor of Portland, is that in that game, the rain defense got flipped once, just one time. And that ended up in the goal. I'm not sure Portland's defense got flipped once in that game entirely. And I think that I don't know if you point to the infusion of a player like Becky Sauerbrunn or the continued excellence of a player like Emily Menges. Megan Klingenberg has been very, very good for this team. Um, you think of Natalie Quicka and Kristen Westfall kind of working together on that other outside back position. Um, I am impressed by what feel when you talk about a full team effort, it's not just in the rotation for me, I guess. I think it even just starts from the defense and moves into the midfield. Angela Salem has had an incredible year. And then all of that creates a foundation upon which the attack can do just enough. And I think maybe that's what keeps it interesting in that the Portland attack is not overwhelming, but everything they else, everything else that they do is so sound that it doesn't matter. And they are getting those results is kind of how I feel about it. I think. Yeah. Bixby Hubbly too in the back um, right. making contributions. Um, I think in terms of their attack, what is impressive is that they, they have so many players who can hurt you. So maybe they don't have, um, that one player that other teams can focus on shutting down because they have probably four or five, heck, maybe six players that at, at any one time can hurt you. But also, um, I think kind of to your, your point about the team overall is that this is not a season like 2018 where Haran just puts the team on her shoulders. Right. Um, it's not a, it's not a season where Sinclair is out there doing everything for the team. This has not been a season where the superstars have carried the team. It's, it's been the depth of the squad overall. Yes. No, I, I 100% agree with that, but I would say that it is at least a positive for the thorns that, um, they all but won that game on Wednesday. I felt, <laughs> I felt like that. I felt like that result was harsh on them. Um, and that they got the result uh, today on Sunday um, with the, again, the understanding that their attack is not overwhelming. And we might see that that's the kind of thing that can be a playoff killer. You know, it's, it's really interesting because their consistency has been so important in them winning the shield. I worry about them a little bit in a, you know, win or go home playoff structure, but they have at least uh, clinched a home semifinal. They're in a good spot to make it to that final, which actually we need to talk about briefly 
a thing that happened this week is the final moved. Final <laughs> yeah. moved. Good for <laughs> you know, us. It's like I, I would love to just talk <laughs> about teams and talk about games, but there's always something. There's always something. This is probably the biggest thing. Um, the final moved from Portland to Louisville which was done at the request of the players. Now we have talked on this podcast about how that 9 a.m. local start time Mm -hmm. was simply not going to work and was in fact indicative, I think, of the unreasonable control that the league office wanted to have over not only players, but games. Um, I would say that perhaps I never thought it was actually going to happen that way, but maybe if the players don't get the leverage that they get over the last couple of weeks, they can't make this happen. And that kind of makes me sad to think about it, uh, to be honest. Um, But so same, same time, same weekend, different location, globally same time you know, again globally same time and that is going to be at noon right Eastern, as a better for the players yes better for the players um i don't know I john guess the fans too yeah i don't know john if you have any thoughts on that i know for me i i feel very much for people who had made travel plans right um i would also just say that i i understand the kind of reschedule or mess fatigue the people are feeling, which is just like, I would love to have firm ground to stand on at any point when right. the league makes an announcement, but this had to happen. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the, the catch 22 of this because just like you, I feel bad that you've got a lot of people who've got to cancel or change reservations, which is a pain and probably going to cost certain people a, a certain amount of money and people make the decision. I would argue a rather difficult decision, not only in this this year of what's happened in the NWSL, but just in the year of the world. Sure. People make a decision where they are going to spend not only their money, but their free time. Mm-hmm. And when you have a situation where it constantly feels like the league is pulling the rug out from underneath you. Right. I think we've seen, I, I wrote a piece about this a few weeks ago, but honestly, before a lot of the big news had broken yeah. about how some of the diehards were starting to break and, and yeah. question whether it was worth that. And I think, you know, uh, even on the media side, we, we've seen that with uh, less people attending games than normal. Sure. And so it, it's very difficult because 100%, I think this had to happen for the players Yeah. or the health, the safety the sanity of the players. And at the same time, you've once again taken a screw to your fans and just assumed again, it's good for me. And I think for you that we, we can just drive down to the game now. And, well, yes, no, we're um, very, <laughs> you know, you know I, was, I said, this, else, I, said I, I told some friends, I said, I am never winning the lottery because it just <laughs> happened to me right now, which is that we get to drive to this game. But um, yeah, no, I, Yes. So I think what happened ultimately is that when you look at mismanagement, it went all the way down to the players. And then the players said, this actually can't occur. And so it went one more level down to the fans. And is it better for the fans to deal with a difficulty than the players? Yes. Should it have to be this way? No. And 
I think a, a feeling that I have a lot when watching this league or, or something like this is I say it just shouldn't have to be this hard to yeah. get to a reasonable place. And so where we're at right now is that the good news is that we've made it to a reasonable place, which is Louisville in November, 12 p.m. Eastern. But it took so much work to get there. And that is where the league, you know, this year has, quite frankly, been a disaster. But if they want to start putting out fires before they begin, you have to think about stuff like this. So I'm not unhappy with the location change. I share everybody's frustrations with what got us here. Um, However, the Portland Thorns are fine. (laughs) Shield winners. They're going to get a home playoff game. I'm sure the fans will show out for that. I know that that's going to be a great time. Let's talk about, I think we should talk actually holistically now about the other two teams that have clinched mm-hmm. playoff sure. spots this weekend, which we have OL rain and we have against truly all odds, the Washington spirit. Yeah. So Good for them. This is, this is fascinating in a number of ways in that the rain had a chance to pull ahead in the shield race on Wednesday. They played a game that they did not really win, but they did tie and then they had a chance against the Washington spirit to at least give themselves a chance. They didn't know what was going to happen with Portland against Houston. Um, so the Washington spirit have two, three to nothing forfeits. And I talked to Jason Anderson about this last week, but more even emphatic this week is that there are two losses in the, the spirit schedule since Chris Ward took over, since they let Richie Burke go. Those were not games that were actually played. In games that were actually played in that time, the Spirit are undefeated. The Spirit have not lost a game that kicked off in a very long time. And this win against OL Reign, which have been surging themselves, was... So impressive. I loved this win. I loved that for Washington. I don't know, John. Tell me, tell me what you thought about that game. This was a fun game to watch. I was actually yeah. taking notes here, but you had right off the bat, you had McNabb feed that ball into the middle for Lavelle, who just missed it. Yeah. Um, you had McNown coming the other way with an open chance from like six, seven yards out. You had Rodman off the post. Then the goal, which was this beautiful chip by a, a you know, the debutante. Then Lavelle went off the post. Um, and then Hatch's goal, yeah. which was a terrific goal, but also came off of a huge mistake from Megan Rapino. Pino yes. tries to go quick on the free kick. Yeah. Her whole team is pushing up the field. They get punched the other way. Then you had the fish lock uh, play off the goal line, which was incredible. And uh, it was just a fun game to watch. It was an entertaining game. This was, it was funny too, because, you know, you mentioned the forfeits and, and everything that's happened with Washington, but I think we've said multiple times at the beginning of the year that we kind of expected Washington to be the second best team. Right. And despite everything they went through, they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. I think, okay. So this is, this is a little bit of, a, this is a little bit tangential, but um, 
a thing that happened this week uh, a couple of times is, and this is so Laura Harvey and it's so, oh, all rain. And I just want to acknowledge it because it's a beautiful part of history, which is that sometimes the rain actually struggled with restarts. Um, uh, Laura Harvey said after the Portland game that there was a moment right after the solidarity moment that happened right after kickoff and, and Portland kind of pushed kind of fast and the rain weren't ready. And then Portland scores in the first six minutes. And then you have this quick restart by Megan Rapino that doesn't go super well. And Washington scores off of that. Like there, I love the rain. I love the rain. There is a lot going on there that is sometimes, um, an emphasis on an emphasis on game state in a particular way. Um, so Eddie, I just, I just thought that was a, a funny little theme between the, throughout the week, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, I talked, I actually I talked to Jason about this last week about how the spirit system relied a lot on Ashley Hatch. Like they needed her to have a good year in order to be competitive this year. And many of her goals this year have been from her being in the right spot. And she's a runner. She's not really a back to goal kind of player. She's someone who's very good. You find her in transition. She's a very good finisher. Um, But a player putting kind of an exclamation point on a regular season with that sort of an individual effort, you just have to think the momentum of this team going forward is really powerful and they are not someone that I would want to play in the postseason. I think that's what, that's exactly what I was going to say is that when you look at what they create in transition between hatch and Rodman and Sanchez, um, and then the fact that they're so good in the back and Bledsoe's so good, that's not a team you want to play. Um, and obviously I, I would agree. I would say the same thing about the rain, to be honest with you, I'd say the first three, you know, you're, you're, you're going to want to be um, playing the four seed once you get to the, to the semifinals. Um, well, I think yeah. also nobody, I don't think anybody wants to go play the rain on their home field either because of the baseball. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like I, I think that um, it's, it's kind of as, as the NWSL works on, you know, standards throughout the league, <laughs> You're going to have, I, I would just say like, guys, that's just soccer in America. It happens. Sometimes you're playing on a baseball field. I personally would not want to have to fly to Tacoma to play the rain on, on their baseball field. That's just me. But um, uh, yeah, no, that was a huge result for Washington. Not only did it clinch their playoff spot, but I do think that, you know, we got word this week that Steve Baldwin has the intention mm-hmm. of selling his shares of the Washington spirit to somebody to somebody, right. That <laughs> is the caveat. Um, but I think, I think the spirit are at a place where the, the players did the big brave thing of posting that open letter to the owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a way that, helps you on your road to the next thing i think and now you know sort of the beauty of honesty is that we know how the players feel 
about their ownership. So we don't have to ask them about that. And we know how they feel about their current coach and, or their former coach. Like we know those things. And so what they can do now through the clarity of the actions that they have taken is, is focus on soccer. And I think that that's great. Sorry. I do too. I just think it's, it's so interesting because that you make that point because the thought I was having in the other direction, and I don't mean to jump ahead because I know we're walking through the teams, but sure. I felt really bad for North Carolina yeah. today because I feel like, and it feels unfair to say they've been hit so hard because we know that six of the 10 teams this year have been hit with some sort of inappropriateness. Right. Sure. Um, or maybe at the very because, least a, a regime change. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's because the egregiousness of what happened in North Carolina um, or, or the fact that they've kind of collapsed since then. But you do have to feel a little bit for those players who are are clearly struggling right now. It's like the opposite of what you're saying with, with the spirit where right. – um, and maybe, you know, the North Carolina players haven't had as much time to process and have had to process, I'm sure, a lot more, but uh, – it's, it, I just felt bad for them this, this, this week. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I, you have to hope, I guess a little bit that, um, if the season does end for them without a postseason, that just gives them more time to sort of rebuild and regroup for next year. So I'm just going to, um, put, I'm just going to list the top four or six, I guess, before we go into this next section, um, so we have the Portland Thorns at the top as the Shield winners. Oil Rain are still in second. We have the Washington Spirit in third. So these are the three teams that have clinched a playoff spot. In fourth, we currently have the Chicago Red Stars. In fifth, we have Gotham FC. Now everybody knows at this point Gotham has games in hand. That is the big uh, variable here in the sixth playoff spot we have the houston dash now we will talk i we're going to talk chicago gotham houston north carolina and unfortunately the orlando pride um in this next segment so stay tuned break for our sponsor we'll be right back Okay, welcome back to the second part of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. I am joined this week by Equalizer contributor, John Halloran. We're just talking teams. We're not getting into games quite too much, but we're just talking about where things are landing with one game, mostly teams, with one game to go uh, in the NWSL regular season. Uh, I do have to ask you at this moment to rate and review this podcast. Please give us a good rating. Give us a good review. It helps us out a lot. It helps people find us. And, you know, I'm out here with my sad little voice on a Sunday night trying to get through this. So, uh, you know, throw us a bone. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, So we talked the playoff clinchers in the first half. Now we're going to talk about the middle of the pack, I guess, but there is some separation happening here and it is significant. So in fourth, we do have the Chicago red stars, which I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about in terms of performance that is new, but they have six points in the last two games. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. And you have to wonder a little bit if they were kind of gearing up for this in a way, maybe. 
What do you think, John? It did. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I know the players kind of said that in the post game where they talked about everything was coming together at the right time. And that was the plan. And every coach tells you that's the plan in April, <laughs> um, you know, trust the process, which uh, is kind of an overused phrase, but uh, I mean, they seem to, it's very typical in what we've seen of Chicago in the last probably three or so years where they tinker, they tinker, they tinker. And then sometime in late July, early August, they just lock down a formation. They lock down a starting 11. And then it, they just kind of are going to go with that hell or high water. And we've seen that again. Uh, we, we saw the, the tinkering stop. And there's what is squad rotation. There's almost no rotation week to week. This is just who our starting 11 is. I do think that you're starting to see Pew and Watt combine um, in a more uh, organic way than maybe we saw early in the year. I still don't think the finishing is where it needs to be for them to really, you know, make a run in the playoffs, but they're, they're where they need to be. And you've got two on your front line with four goals and four assists. So it's, it's not the greatest. It's not terrible. Uh, they're going to need to put together really solid efforts to make a run in the playoffs. It's not great. It's not terrible. Yep. That's Chicago this year. All right, let's keep going. Uh, we're leave it at that. So Gotham, let's talk about mm-hmm. Gotham in fifth. Um, we talked about teams that you didn't want to play in the postseason. Yep. We had Washington, OL Reign being a lot of them. Um, Portland being a team that I think they're a team that like seven or eight times out of 10, they beat you, but maybe you get that one, right? Gotham though. Oh man. They're playing so well right now. And they've got talent on all three lines Yeah, and a good goalkeeper behind them. I think, you know, we've all, we've all said this a million times this season that their back line kind of plays this chaos method, but it works for them. But they're very good at it. Yeah, no, they, they, you know, to, to do what they've done and, and still have the goal differential that they have is impressive. They've got probably five attackers that could start on any given day, four midfielders who could start, maybe six strong across the back. It's a good team, and it's dynamic. They can, they can punish you. That front line is very good. Yeah, I think um, when we look at trends or narratives going into the postseason – I think that one of those that we have to acknowledge, not so much in, a, in, in talking about Gotham's regular season, but more about where they're going, is that, you know, Midge Purse got hurt right around the Olympic line, right? So that would have been beginning of July. And I think she missed, what, like four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And she's come back in a very dynamic way. She has changed the team coming back and I think that they have a number of different ways they can beat you I think they have a number of different ways they can stop you and I think that that is what makes them so dangerous going forward and also just you know as we're talking about just points per game stuff like that like Gotham could host a a game they should they could host a a postseason game they are easily yeah, no, they are in a in very good shape actually. 
to um, be able to do that. And their rescheduled game of the weekend that was uh, suspended is going to happen during the international break, but there's no reason to think that they shouldn't be set up to do quite well there as well. So um, I would say for me, if you're looking at this, this group of four of Chicago, Houston, Gotham and North Carolina, I wouldn't want to play Houston still, still, I, I would not want to play Houston, but I really would not want to play Gotham right now. And I think we're seeing that, especially, I mean, you see the way that they played against North Carolina. Um, again, I'm so sorry about my voice. You guys, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, next, we have, this is the big hinge moment here. We have the Houston Dash in sixth. We have the North Carolina Courage in seventh. Houston kind of needed to not lose against Portland this weekend, but also they might be okay simply because of the fact that North Carolina is doing worse. And I think that that might essentially be where we're at right now. Um, so for you, John, in, in terms of what you think a team can do in the postseason, or even do in the last weekend, um, are you betting on Houston over that, North Carolina God, right now? That's such a such a tough question. I think Houston has the kinder draw, if you want to put it that way, heading in to the last uh, to the last game because if I'm North Carolina. I don't want to be playing Portland with Portland knowing they can put the dagger in my season because there's some bad blood between those two clubs. And I'm sure Portland would love nothing more than to just end North Carolina's season. Um, But it's, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. The crazy thing about North Carolina is that as gutted as they've been from the version that they had in 2020, they've still got Dabinia. They've still got McDonald. They've still got Williams. They've still got a rod. They've got a lot of players who can hurt you on their day. I think, uh, you know, Williams struggled in the finishing aspect today, but we all know that when she's on her game, she's unstoppable. And the same can be said of McDonald and a rod on their day. And uh, those are three of the best forwards literally in the history of the league. And they're all on one team. Um, they've just obviously had an unfortunate string and some gigantic off the field distractions. Right. And I think, um, when, when analyzing the team itself, I don't think that the questions were ever about the attack. I do think that they did Mm -hmm. in the midfield and and in the defense. And I think and Dahlkemper, that's right. I mean, that was all based on Ursig and Dahlkemper being able to handle counterattacks and that's just not the case anymore. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that the team, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into tiebreakers here because I will, I'll be wrong. I will be wrong. Your head will explode. Exactly. And I, 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 disclaimer, not amazing at playoff math, but so as I understand it, the two teams in the best position at this moment to make the playoffs who have not yet clinched are Chicago and Gotham. So Chicago 
at this moment needs one point in their game against Orlando to put themselves above the points capacity for Houston in North Carolina. Now Gotham has a number of different scenarios in front of them because they have two games in hand. So if you look at likelihoods, I think likelihoods point to Chicago theoretically and Gotham being quote unquote, okay, which leaves you with Houston in North Carolina in that spot for, for six and North Carolina has to beat Portland in Portland next week to make that happen. Right. If they lose, that's it. Yep. Um, which is not what we thought was going to happen, but we also, there are a number of things this season that I don't think we <laughs> knew were going to happen. Um, so to you, John, maybe the final question for this week is, um, and we're, we're going to talk a second about the bottom three, but in terms of the people who are still alive for the playoffs, what has surprised you here? And, and what do you think could maybe still be surprising next week? About just North Carolina? Or, or just Houston? playoff scenarios in general? I mean, the, the idea that a team which was as dominant as North Carolina was at the end of 2019, which was our last real season right. to go from that to missing the playoffs is, is pretty shocking. But when you add up the losses of Dunn and Daniels and the coach and O'Reilly and, you know, uh, Mewis being hurt and you just go on and on. Um, you can see, as you mentioned, the cr- there's just too many cracks. You watch that game today. I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, but it's nah, almost like you're playing. Like, don't, 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 don't. It's okay. But yes, you know, you, like, it's almost like you're playing with like eight players or nine players compared to what they, what they used to be. Um, and that, that's, that's been the case all year. That doesn't have anything to do necessarily with, with what's gone down over the past month that team just wasn't going to be set up to succeed. Um, as soon as it, as soon as it became official that Dahl Kemper was not coming back, I think that probably was, was the end of any hope that they were going to have to, to make a return to a championship. Right. And I, I know that it's, it's our job to cover every team here and that makes it difficult to do a deep dive into any particular club. But um I think maybe what we've seen is an organization that has at the most kind, the kind way to put it would be blind spots, perhaps. Um, I don't know. They created this for themselves a little bit. And I, and I do feel bad that it is the players who are suffering for it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, I think that they, I think the only thought that I have at this point is that I hope that if their season does end next week, that just gives them a little bit more time to process how they're feeling and for their bosses essentially to come up with ways for uh, better, better in the future. You know, um, before we go, we should talk about the bottom three. So, 
I guess this is the other main significant thing that happened this weekend is that the Orlando pride Mm -hmm. um, league leaders in, in May, I think they were second in June were eliminated from playoff contention this weekend. Um, I, I, it was the, they, they lost to Chicago this midweek and then I, they lost to Louisville this weekend. Um, kind of a weird year for them in that Mark Skinner did leave <laughs> yeah. midseason, right? Becky Burley came in. They were not a team that this was done under an issue of wrongdoing. This just was coach stuff. Um, I don't know, John, where do you sit on what line are you on here? Are you on the line of this was a catastrophic collapse from a playoff position? Or are you on the line of Oh my God, what exceptional improvement from 2019. I definitely think I'm leaning much closer to the second. And I actually said that last night when everybody started with their, what a collapse takes because this to, to say it as nice as I can, this team was pretty close to a laughing stock in 2019 Mm -hmm. and certainly in 2020, um, when they had to drop out of the challenge cup, right. You know, it, it yeah. looked like it was utter disarray. I think that what I think the, the funny thing is, is if they would have finished with this amount of points, but had picked up most of those points in the second half of the season, people would be jumping up and down and saying, Oh my God, look at, look at the turnaround of this team. Right. But because they started off so strong and then faded, people are looking at it. I think the wrong way because this still isn't a strong enough team. The roster is not strong enough. I think this is a team that probably overperformed this year. And I think, I don't think this is on the players at all. I think this is the front office has to sit down and, you know, think about how are we going to pick up a couple more players and hopefully one really solid midfield player that can control the middle of the field for them because you can't play a whole season without a midfield. Right. Um, Their defense gets stepped on for 80 minutes uh, because they're not holding the ball, but. And then they loft it up. Right. They play it long to Sydney (laughs) or Alex or, you know, and they get get some goals from it. Yeah. Good for them. Like, that's great that you have that, but. Right. Uh, you hold the ball a little bit, you take a lot of pressure off your defense. And honestly, you save everybody's legs for the second half of the season. When you try to play that style for, for 24 weeks, it's pretty exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually like 100% agree with you on that. I think that um, Orlando, I feel, I really feel for them because the thing is that they they showed the proof of concept of of the really good things happening with that club at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And it was unreasonable to expect it to continue. It really was, actually. Um, like you said, you can't play a whole season without a midfield. Um, hot streaks and um, other teams learn how to deal with you. This is another part of it as well, is after a year where the pride played – very few games other teams were actually able to scout and and adjust to playing them in 2021 um after not actually getting to play them perhaps at all in 2020 
So I do think that is a large factor. Um, oh my God, the improvement that they made is exceptional. It really is. And, and like you said, the fact that it was so good at the beginning of the season and then faded, I think unfortunately gives them a narrative that they don't deserve because Mm -hmm. you talk about a team that goes from a true basement dweller to being a playoff contender. Are you kidding me? They got eliminated from playoff contention in the second to last week of the season. That's amazing. Yep. And I really hope that the fans in the front office and the players take that to heart because that's really not only good for that club, that is good for the league that the Orlando pride were able to do that this year. Yeah. I mean, you hope the front office looks at that and says, Hey, we're close. Let's get a little bit better. Right. That's, that's the takeaway I think out of the season. Right. And I do think that we'll, we'll talk about this more in the, <laughs> Once we get a couple weeks out, but they, they have some choices to make it not only in their, their player pool, but their coaching staff Yeah, is Becky Burley. The person is, is the team that they have constructed the team that they need. I think that that is interesting and we will talk about it more, but um, yes, Orlando was eliminated from, from playoff contention, which I'm sure was a heartbreaker for a lot of people, but there's a lot to build off of there, which I think is very positive. Um, talking about Louisville, Kansas city, a lot of other stuff, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff happening. So we're probably not going to spend a ton of time on this, but Louisville got a win this week, which is great. Um, the thing that I have said over the last couple of weeks is that I don't really know how to analyze that team. As long as they don't have a coach, I don't really know how they're exactly building for next year. Other than that, the places, the, the pieces that they have in place are good and they will go um, from there for Kansas city. Um, they rocked Houston midweek, which fully deserved. They outplayed the dash this midweek and then went to Chicago and played the red stars about as close as they could. Um I don't know. I think that what I at least feel like I am seeing is Orlando got the heartbreak this week. But for Louisville and for Kansas City, there's some clarity, I guess, in knowing that it's not this year. And I've seen some positives, I think, in players going for spots for the future, right? Yes. And the thing that I will say about both of these squads is that you haven't seen any of them, either of them collapse in the way that in past years, teams that by midseason or or late midseason that you knew were out of the playoff race would collapse. And that has not happened. These teams are battling. They're not giving it to anybody. Kansas City pushed Chicago. Yeah. Uh, on the weekend, you know, you mentioned the midweek, uh, Louisville with with their game. Um, you know, they, they put the dagger in Orlando. So yeah, that's good right. for them that uh, that they didn't look at the table and go, oh, well, our season's over. And that's been characteristic of Louisville from game one. Right. Uh, and I think it was one of those things where. Well, most of us knew that. Uh, they weren't going to be able to sustain a playoff position over the course of the season. But I honestly, and I asked it on this podcast was 
what happens when you start to lose games and when the hope fades and the excitement of being the new kid on the block fades. And they've answered that question. Yeah. They're still going to battle. They're still going to play 90 minutes. They're still going to try to win games. And that is a real credit to those players um, who are really at this point, almost on their own, maintaining, building, holding a culture together. Yeah. I think maybe this is a good place to close. I think is um, over the last couple of weeks, we have balanced off the field news with, on the field results and performances and where I'm at right now is quite honestly feeling somewhat amazed Mm -hmm. by the players in this league. Um, The Portland Thorns whose front office was implicated in that large Paul Riley story and the demands that they made of their own front office and the way they have worked together um, to close out a shield campaign, um, the Washington spirit, how true dysfunction you want to talk about dysfunction from top to bottom that they've been dealing with all year and the way that they have not let that, that affect them on the field is yep. amazing. Um, you keep going Kansas city, Louisville, Orlando at the beginning of the season. This league, I think maybe one of the one of the aspects of why the the dysfunction off the field is so devastating and so frustrating is that we all see it there. Every game, we see what players are able to put together when given so little. To, to help them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this week was another really good example of that, of who the Portland Thorns are and who the Washington Spirit are and who Racing Louisville is and who Kansas City is. And it's something to hold on to. It's pretty cool to see the players taking their power the way that they have over the yeah. past month or so. And right. you you can't, I know you've written about this too, but you cannot imagine a more important time for that to be happening as they go into the, you know, finalizing their first CBA. Right. Um, their union right now seems very organized, committed, um, and really seems to kind of be feeling their power. And yeah. I think that's, that's a really positive thing. Honestly, it's something the league is going to need because, Regardless of, of whatever shakes out the rest of this season, this winter, and this is a sad note, I suppose, but there there are still going to be people in very powerful positions who have enabled or overlooked a lot of the things that we've learned about and things that we haven't learned about. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is get it in writing, right? Um. But yeah, no, I I am impressed. I have been impressed, obviously, by what they have been able to do off the field. But again, what they're able to do on the field is equally exceptional. And that has been great to see. 
So that has been us for this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. Thank you so much, John, for joining me. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy. Uh, Thank you to Blue Wire Podcast, our distributor, uh, Ghost Sky. I'm so sorry, guys. Just Ghost Sky. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. But uh, (laughs) we'll see you next week. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, All I care about is the sky. Um, But we'll see you next week uh, for another exceptional weekend of NWSL action. It's the last weekend of the regular season. Get hyped, guys. It's going to be wild. Uh, Who knows who's going to make it into those playoffs. And we'll see you next time.